Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Life is simple. Don't complicate it. If you're not having fun, fix something. You know, if I, I just tell people, look, if I'm going to screw up, I'm going to screw up differently next time. I'm not going to screw up the same way over and over. And on the flip side, I guess it's traditional, and maybe this is a little sexist, but it's male advice. When stuff's working, we just stick with it. You know, so if find out what you like. If you like playing volleyball, if you like painting, make sure you have time to do that on a regular basis. Give yourself that gift, uh, and know that when you're not doing that, it's not just you that's missing out. You do have a gift, whether you, to whatever degree you love yourself or not, there are people who love being around you. And if you're not getting time with them, not only are you missing out, but they're missing out. And if you're not sure, ask them. Welcome back. I hope your week's been awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with the fail coach, Miha Matlievsky, and with Lauren Yee, the cultivator of curiosity, then listen in. They're well worth listening to. But stay here first and listen to today's conversation because I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Wade Galt of the Three Day Weekend Club. Wade helps people create the life, the lifestyle and the legacy they most desire. Wade has over 15 years experience as a productive employee and over 20 years as a software company founder and owner, corporate consultant, sales coach, superstar recruiter, provider of mental health counseling services and life coach. And today with his three-day weekend club, which he founded with the goal of inspiring people to implement just that, a three-day weekend or a four-day workweek lifestyle. Wade teaches others to create the life they most desire, both personally and professionally. In our conversation today, Wade talked to me about the mindset shift to plan for a regular three-day weekend. He explained why working less time can actually be more productive. And we talked about creating time for the important things in life. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Wade Galt. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Naples, Florida, in the USA, Wade Galt, who's the founder of the Three Day Weekend Club and host of the Three Day Weekend Entrepreneur podcast. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Wade. It's a great privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you so much for having me, Jurgen. I love the work I've done with you already. I'm really excited to do this. 
Great. And Catherine Candy, who was our guest on episode 418 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Wade. So a big hello to Catherine. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Catherine. Now, um, I'm really looking forward to talking about the three-day weekend movement and and the whole philosophy behind that. I mean, I think we probably have a bit of an idea of what the philosophy is, but there's, there's a lot more to it than one might think initially when you say, oh, I'm just going to take Friday off or Monday off or whatever. Um, now, I know that we can find you playing beach volleyball down on the beaches in Naples, I guess, on Friday. So what is it that drew you to beach volleyball first, I guess? Let's start with that one. Sure. So as cheesy as it sounds, I watched the movie Top Gun. And there's the uh, beach volleyball scene for anybody who's familiar with the movie Top Gun with what Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer and all these guys playing volleyball. And they uh, later, if you look back at it, no offense to these guys, it's not the most technically correct, but it looks really <laughs> macho. And I just always been an athlete and I had tried different sports and I just like new sports. So that was a different one. So, yeah, I've been doing that on and off for years. And I'm a pretty simple guy. When I'm playing volleyball at least once a week, I'm a pretty happy guy. Uh, when I'm not, I get a little grouchy. So yeah. that's kind of important. Yeah, it's a bit like me. I'm sort of, at the moment, I'm having a bit of a down on my daily bike ride. And, and I tend to get a bit grouchy if I miss out on the bike ride as well. Um, So the beach volleyball, I can't remember that scene in, the, in Top Gun. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. But is that like the proper beach volleyball like they play in the Olympics with two people per side? It's two people per side. And I would just simply say that some of the, some of the form is not that great uh, <laughs> when you look back, but uh, Val Kilmer spills the ball on his, on his finger and he looks really manly when he does it. And yeah. it just looks like a lot of fun. And there's, I didn't know you could get that testosterone uh, playing a game of volleyball as guys yelling at each other and stuff like that. But that's what we do sometimes. And uh, so to that part, a lot of other than the actual technique and form, the rest of it's pretty true to form. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty athletic sport, really, when you think about it. I used to play a little bit of volleyball at school, but we would play you know, the traditional six, six man aside on the court and in the, the gym. But with two people, it's uh, kind of diving around on yeah i've not figured that out i will not run more than 30 feet if you don't put a ball in front of me but if you put a ball in front of me i will go through <laughs> 90 degree weather for six hours at a time uh chasing the ball and diving in the sand which i know it's the end of my day when i've gotten off the court whether i've lost or won and i come back from the shower and it's almost like an out-of-body experience where i look at the court Wow, those guys are chasing the ball. It's kind of hot out. I'm glad I don't have to do that right now. That's I know it's it's been a long day, and that's night when I know I'm done for the day. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, um, you know, obviously that's that's one of the things you like to do in your free time. What what was your journey to the three day weekend idea and and starting the movement? Sure. So I'm blessed. My father's an entrepreneur. My mother's always been a reader of philosophy, psychology, spirituality, that sort of stuff. So I've always kind of thought about sort of all dimensions of life, not just the work, uh, but also the personal life side. And started out as an entrepreneur young. I know so many people have sold, in at least in the United States, we would sell candy to kids during school. So I did that. 
Then I had my lawn mowing business, but that was outside this little hot. And so I guess when I was younger, I had all the time I needed. I wanted more money. So I did the work for the money. And then once I started my corporate job, I realized I had money and wanted more time. And I'd also got to watch my father, who's an entrepreneur, and notice the amount of free time he had. And so that was definitely on my radar to start a business of one or two different types. And some initial plans changed. But then I just, when I started my own business, realized that, you know, there were certain things that made a lot of results for me, certain things that didn't. And having more time off was a big deal. But the thing that really sealed it for me is I'd, I'd gone back and forth a couple times as far as trying to work uh, a, th a three-day weekend lifestyle or a four-day work week, as Mr. Miyagi or Yoda might say, I tried, I didn't just do it. And two different people in my life at the same time from literally opposite corners of the world told me the same piece of advice. A coach I was working with named Johan in South Africa said, wait, if you're going to try to help people do this as a regular thing, and if you really want to coach people and you know how important this is, you have to live it year round. You can't tell me that when your busy season comes that you throw it aside and you pick it back up. He's like, you've it's doable. He says, we know it's doable, so so do it. And then one of my friends at the beach who, Larry had been going to the beach. He's like, wait, I've been going to the beach for 25 years uh, on on Fridays. He's like, it's the best thing uh, you can do. He says, you have you will be here next week. You have to be here next week. He commanded me. And he's about, what, I don't know, 20 years old. And he's like, wait, you, you have to be here. And then well, actually the third person that that sort of affirmed the vote was I hadn't played volleyball for about six or seven years regularly because I thought uh, mistakenly that the best thing I could do as a father was to be ultra present all the time around my family instead of making sure I got some me time. And my wife just said, wait, no, no, please go every week. When you don't do your volleyball, uh, you are a grouch. And she did not use the word grouch, uh, but we'll say grouch for the sake of this, <laughs> for this interview. Uh, but so it all kind of aligned. And when I started doing it, I found that some people could do it right away. For some people, it was just them giving themselves permission to do it. They were making enough money. Some people kind of had to work towards it, but a lot of it's just a shift. You know, we work for more money over the years. We expect we're going to make more money over time, but for some reason, we don't expect we'll have more free time. And so once you make that shift and realize that that's one of the variables, just like a lot of people are realizing right now that working from home is a variable. It might not be a guaranteed, but it's a variable that companies can work with. And so once you start realizing that, all the good things that go with it, if you can have time with family and friends and to enjoy life, it's just more life. Most of our memories are made on weekends or when we're not at work. So you actually really just, you get more life. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. Well, it's, it's good that those people gave you that advice. I, I'm curious because I was thinking about this in, in preparing for the episode and listening to some of um, your podcast. And that's around, you know, you said giving yourself permission. Um, so it's around the mindset that we need to have, particularly if we're entrepreneurs in our own business. I mean, I know I find myself in that phase sometimes where I think, well, there's there's these things I still need to do. They don't necessarily need to be done today, uh, but I know they're outstanding. I know they're open open tasks. And so I have this guilty feeling if I say, you know, today I'm just going to do something else. I'm not going to work today. Because in the back of my mind, I know there's all these open tasks I have. So how do we kind of come to terms with that mindset as entrepreneurs in our own business and say, it's okay to take the day off. I have permission to do that. Well, the first thing to think is to understand that four-day week, five-day week, six-day week, three-day week, those are all just mental constructs. They're not hmm. empirical. They're not etched in stone. 
And so you might ask, well, what is it that has me working five days a week, not six or seven or whatever it might be? And to first, to just first assume that, okay, so that's, that's an idea. It's not dogma. It's not a fact. It's not the Department of Health that says that that's what needs to be. It's just something that's commonly done. And then from there, and, and maybe this, maybe that's the second step or maybe that's the first step. But the other part is, what are you here for? And not in some sense of that you owe the world anything or that you don't. I don't know what everybody's answer is, but are you here to look at you know, how you spend your time at work and you've got these different pins and points and plaques and bonuses at work? Or are you looking to enjoy life? I'm 49 and when I do things that I did when I was 16 that I enjoyed is some of the things I, I'm the happiest doing. So while I certainly still am a father and a provider and a husband, if that's all my life is, Maybe that's why people go through these midlife crises and stuff like this, because, you know, they're telling themselves that they're supposed to be something different than they were uh, when they were perhaps happier. And so for me, life retirement is a continuum. It's not a, well, I'm going to work, 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 stop. Cause I don't know about you. I'll be bored as anything if I just stop yeah, working. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's more of a continuum. I know Tim Ferriss in his book, the four hour work week talks about this idea of mini retirements or taking a month off or two months off. Uh, kind of like we would say in the United States, a sabbatical to, you know, to go somewhere or to do something or to check out from work. But just in general, if you have a good enough reason, if you have a vacation coming up, you would put all that meaningless work or that stuff that can wait that you were just talking about. You put that aside and you say, okay, I can get to that later. Hmm. And certainly we can't do that with everything. There are certain parts of our business we have to get to. But very often the default becomes Friday comes around and I'll just use Friday as the concept of that third day that you could take off. Uh, if you're currently working six days, it might be Saturday because you're trying to get to two days, wherever it is, or you might say you prefer Monday, but I'm just using the word Friday just to keep it simple. But in essence, you might reach Friday and you don't really have the energy to give it an awesome day because you're kind of tired. You've worked for four days and you've put in good work. Presumably, if you're an entrepreneur, you've put in some good at least six, seven, eight, nine, perhaps 10 hour days or more. And so are you going to just sit there in your office and do $10 an hour work, which you shouldn't be doing anyway? most likely if you're an entrepreneur, or are you going to say, I'm going to make something awesome happen today? The same way I look to make awesome stuff happen Monday through Thursday in my business, I want to make awesome things happen Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and not just out of a selfish standpoint, but if I'm a father, I want to create an awesome life for my children. If I'm a husband or, or a wife or a spouse, I want to create an awesome experience, whatever it might be. So seeing that our life, our individual life is worthy of that and still noting that we're still saying that more days go to work than our personal life, which again is an idea because mm. 10 years from now we might be talking about, wait, you're, you're, you're working four days. Come on, man. It's three days, <laughs> but it's, it's not about laziness. It's about a belief. I'd say an idea or an idea, um, that there's more to life than simply being at a laptop or doing your work. Even if you love your work, there's more going on in the universe. If you happen to believe that there's some greater force that created all this, maybe there's more going on than just, you know, email and email's mm -hmm. great. But you know, to me, there's more to life than that. Yeah. 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 Well, email, I think email is a, um, is the classic metaphor, isn't it? Of, of um, activity that, very little of which actually is is um, value producing. Yeah, I think it's something we need to do, and it's—I wouldn't even say it's a necessarily evil. It's part of the process. I mean, mm. You and I connect with each other via email to to get this set up today, but it's not the meat. 
Hmm. And for the most part, I think the biggest shift is once you understand there's something more important going on, the same way if your child was about to be born on a Friday, so I need to take the day off. And if your employer said, no, you can't, many people I know would say, well, I'm, I'm taking the day off anyway. And if it costs me my job, I'm taking the day off because the child's about to be born or whatever it is that's important for mm -hmm. you. And without making it dramatic, from a perspective of an entrepreneur who says, wait, I get to decide, then you would say, well, then what needs to happen is me simply realizing or getting aware of what do I need to get done on those first four days of the week so that I earn the right to be off on Friday. It could be that I sell more stuff, help more people, make a greater impact. It could be I reduce my living expenses. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. And before we would just say that those are the choices for entrepreneurs, but more and more those are becoming the choices uh, for workers or employees or freelancers anywhere. Again, the less you spend, uh, the less income you need to earn. Presumably, if you still average some hourly income, even though some hours you might make more income and others hours not, if there's less expense, the need to earn money is less. And that's not advocating minimalism or not. It's just simply saying, what's the math for you? Does it get you the hours you want and allow you the time to live the life you'd like, knowing that, again, you know, there's this exercise we do in our workshops of writing down your most uh, important positive life experiences. And I'll usually ask people to write down 10 experiences and say, you know, where did they happen? In work or outside of work? And then what dimension of your life? Was it, you know, family or sports or achievement or whatever it might be? And the dimension of life varies. It depends on the person. But as far as inside work, outside of work, the most I've seen is 20% of the greatest memories of a person's life happening inside work. Hmm. The most. And it's not a knock on work. Work is still awesome. I love doing it. I love what we're doing right now. But at the end of the day, it doesn't compare to the birth of our children. Hmm. You know, for me, at least, it, it, it doesn't come close. And so if you understand that, again, as I said, this idea of if, if, if the weekend, and that's just a metaphor of free time, let's say, but if, if our free time is when our most memorable things happen or most of them most happen, well, then more of that time we have, presumably the more time we have, and more than just presumably I've experienced this, more time we have to have these memories and enjoy life and really not so much extend the length of our life in, in years, but the amount of life we get out of those years, even if we still live the same amount of time. And so that's been my experience that I've never regretted time with my family. I've never regretted time hmm. hanging out with my children. I've never regretted uh, going to the beach to play volleyball. Never, ever, hmm. zero. So those to me are those, those are guaranteed return on investments. Yeah, those I, I've made plenty of poor financial decisions at different times uh, as an entrepreneur, as an in, investor who was actually really more gambling, but didn't realize it in real estate or stuff. I've done that before uh, and I've definitely have regretted and still to a certain degree regret those as much as I believe everything happens for a reason. But the time with family, friends, fun. Nah, no, no regrets there. Hmm. OK, now, I mean, one of the things that occurred to me while you were explaining that was that in some ways we have this feeling, oh, that there's this open task that still needs to be done. I can't take the day off. And yet I often find that if I say, okay, I'm going to take the day off and I'll get to that Monday, let's say Friday, I'll take Friday off, I'll get to that Monday. Or if it's during the day and I'm, I'm kind of stuck and floundering around, and I say, I'm, I'm just going to go out for a bike ride for two hours. I'll go out for a walk for a couple of hours. 
and then come back and get to that activity that you're actually a lot more productive having had that rest. So, um, I mean, that's that's been my experience. I see you nodding your head, so I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, what what can we do to kind of, apart from the mindset, get some systems in place to enable us to feel as though things things are being taken care of when we go Absolutely. away? So a few things, and to, now to be really clear. So first of all, when I say three-day weekend or four-day work week, it's a concept that's in general getting to do what you want with your time. So there are some people that say, my children are in school 180 days of the year, and that's usually Monday through Friday. I want to work when they're in school so I can be free when they're not. So that might mm -hmm. be your version. So this is not selling a specific version. I will say this, if you can't afford to have a four-day work week, uh, there are some people that say, I'd rather do you know work Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off, work Thursday, Friday. And then there's some that prefer the three-day weekend. I happen to prefer the three-day weekend because I get to get away from things and, and really kind of forget what I do for a living in a good way to really just get away. But I think overall, there's definitely, there are, there are a few things that, first of all, it, it's flexible, it's fluid. Yes, sometimes during the day as entrepreneurs, I hope we're not tied to nine to five in the sense, and there's nothing evil about that. But if in the middle of the day you're losing energy, yes, go for a bike ride, go for a walk. I do that myself. Do those things and I'll come back to something. Sometimes my Thursday nights are Thursday at 11.59 or even gasp 12.30, you know, after, because I still want to give myself those three days as closely as possible of time off. And sometimes, yes, I'll work a Friday because I have to. It's, it just, it turns out that way. For me, it's about, depending on the, the time, COVID, I kind of gave myself more time because the kids were at home anyway, and I couldn't go to the beach because the beach was closed at the time and whatnot. Um, but usually for me, it's at least 85, 90, 95% of the time that I'm taking those three days off. Uh, but also, I think it's just about really more than anything, making time for life. So I used to name my podcast, the four day work week pod entrepreneur podcast. And the best way I can describe it is because at that point, my main focus was almost like a teenager. I don't want to work more than four days. And it was less focused on what am I going to do in my three days? Now that I'm more focused on the three days, some days I'll, you know, get my volleyball in early in the morning. I'll still check my business email for five, 10 minutes. Why? Because my cup's already full. I have a software business and it grew to a certain point at one time and then it kind of eased back down. And the simple just entrepreneurial truth of it is if I wanted to be big enough that I could hire somebody to work on that Friday, I'd have to sell a lot more stuff and I have to hustle more. I don't want to hustle more right now. Mm. Kids are, or our kids are. 15 and 12 and enjoying the process. So, okay, I check an email and if something comes up that's really critical, I'll address it. But most of the time it's like, hey, here's this really quick answer to it. And hey, let's, let's follow up on Monday because the nature of my software is not urgent. But so at the end of the day, like your bike ride, like anything else, I'm still human. I want to do what works and so I'll play with it. But I think most people, if they allow themselves to, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you can ease your way into it. You can just say, okay, I'm going to, for three months, take one Friday off, or even better than that, instead of doing that, say, I'm going to work two hours less per week for a month. So um, Alex Sanfilippo, the gentleman who runs Podmatch, he had told me, he's like, wait, I've just decided I'm working 50-something hours a week, and I'm going to get to 32, whatever the number was, by this month. And he says, literally, he just, math. He says, I'm reducing this many hours. So it doesn't have to be fancy. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm just going to figure out a way 
to get the work done. And that will force me to get more productive. It'll force me to drop some of the things uh, that I don't need to do. And yes, we will die with our inbox full or something. And otherwise the business would have been dead. So there's, you'd hope there'd be some email in there as much as we might sometimes um, bad talk email. God forbid, if you show up yeah, on like, right. Monday and there's literally no email. Yeah, there's nothing kind of there. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Well, I'd, I've got mine set up with some systems that actually categorize a whole lot of stuff. So when I go into my inbox, there's only a few things there, but of course it does mean, um, every now and then I miss some stuff. For example, I've got a, um, a folder set up where I'm on the copy list and um, it goes to a, a separate folder and I very, I find myself hardly ever checking that folder and every now and then when I do check it, I, oh, there's something there. Somebody put me on the copy list and they're actually asking me to do something. <laughs> but I figure, well, you know, if, if a deadline expires or is about to expire and I haven't done something, I figure, well, they're They'll probably follow up with me, so the world won't end as a result. Absolutely, and to your to your point, you know, there's also just knowing what are the critical things in your business. Hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it means you, you have to get those things done. So there are certain things uh, in your business and my business that if we don't do, it's going to cost us relationships and money and consistency or a whole lot of other different things. And we've worked to build these things. So there definitely is a self-awareness piece. This is not magic. There is no magic here in the sense of, you know, avoiding responsibility or uh, being economically childish about it. It's about being wise enough to see what actually turns into results, what doesn't. And for me, possibly the most disappointing part of it is the realization, at least that I've made, that for the most part, the things that earn me steady income are things that I've done repeated times, which for me sometimes equals boring. Mm. And the flip side of that, the things that are really, really exciting might not earn me any money. <laughs> so sometimes it's this understanding to say, okay, well, if I can get done the things I have to even better Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I can be a little more experimental in some of my stuff Thursday. And that way, when I hit the end of the day Thursday and say, I've got these things I need to, but oh, wait, this is the project I'm working on that is important, but it's not urgent. There is nobody waiting on a deadline. There's nobody saying, hey, it has to happen here. And as important as it might be in my work world, I've got all these other things going on in my personal life that are more important. So I, so I gladly say, okay, I'll get to that Monday. Uh, because any entrepreneur knows things, no matter how much we even try to account for this, things take longer than we think they will. They don't happen as quickly as we thought they would. They don't turn out as good as we thought they would. The little hitches come up. So if you can accept that and... I guess for me, most importantly, if you're enjoying the process, if you're enjoying every week of your life and one week goes sour, which that happens once in a while or not, so, okay. But if your default schedule, and this to me is one of the most powerful things, when your default schedule is something you enjoy and you don't have to go on vacation to enjoy life, like even if, as we just experienced with the COVID, that for a long time we didn't go anywhere, but probably about what, 50, 60, 70 weeks of the same schedule for the most part, it's like, well, but I still like this schedule. I would like some more variety, but but I enjoy this as opposed to what we see often very here in Florida is the person that doesn't like their life, the way it's constructed. And it doesn't mean they're miserable, but they just, they don't like it. And they're coming down here for a week or two trying to, you know, I guess make up for that. But then everything becomes stressful because it's got to be the best day at the beach. The sun's got to be the best. Yeah, yeah. There's all this pressure 
on the vacation to make up for the fact that they don't like their job or they don't like where they live or whatever it might be. Hmm. Yeah. Thinking of vacation, I mean, one of the best things I ever did, and it kind of transformed the business to the point where, you know, I have, have that flexibility now to say I can take a week off or a day off or whatever. And, and I think that's really important. And that's, um, we, my son was living in Europe at the time and he announced that he was getting married. And so I said to my wife and my daughter who was living here or still is living here in Melbourne, um, that, okay, well, we're going to go to the wedding, obviously. Um, but let's make, make it a vacation because if we're going to travel halfway around the world, um, it's, it's kind of silly to do it just for one day or two days around an event. And also my uh, wife still has family there and I still have friends there. So, and then my daughter came back a little while later and said, you know, that's uh, early August. If we go two weeks early, we could catch part of the Tour de France. And I said, well, now you're talking and and so um and my wife wasn't interested in going to a bike ride a bike race for that so she said i'll come later you guys go Um, so we ended up on about a six-week total vacation you know two weeks at the tour de france with my daughter and a bit of bike riding in the pyrenees which was fantastic you know you talk about great experiences that brings back a lot of fond memories and uh, then four weeks um in in Europe and a week in China on the way back. So I had to say to myself, well, how do I structure this so the business continues in that time and I can be off? And I did a lot of work around systems and processes. I let go a lot of activities that I thought I had to do, but in in that area, you know, I thought, well, somebody else can take care of that for that time. And that taught me, well, you know, they actually did a pretty good job, so I can come back and let them keep doing that, and I'll uh, focus on the high, high value things that I need to do. Um, and then when we arrived in um, Basel, where my son was living, on the first day, my daughter and I went out uh, for a walk. I took heaps of photos in the sunshine to um, you know get over the jet lag. Came back, took up the laptop, and said you know let's have a look at those photos and the hard disk died on the laptop so on the first day and so i didn't have access to a a laptop to do any work so okay that obviously meant to me and and so kind of forced me to basically be out of the business that's awesome i love that story yeah, so that basically taught me, you know, there's a whole lot of systems that we we can put in place and um, we can let go of activities that perhaps up to then I thought I had to do. Somebody else can't do it as well or can't do it. And um, that's, you know, that's given us the flexibility to keep going. Well, I think that's the thing, you know, the whole necessity is the mother invention. You found a reason that was strong enough. And for me, I didn't think, and you know, this is the funny thing that if you talk to a lot of people who don't know a lot of entrepreneurs or who are not entrepreneurs, they think of kind of the, the not so nice stereotype about entrepreneurs of the greed and the, you know, the person that's only concerned about money and all that. And most of the entrepreneurs I know started their own business for freedom personally, definitely. Hmm. And they also 
had something that they're passionate about that they wanted to help people with. And they're some of the most giving people I know. And a lot of them are sometimes uncomfortable with the amount of money they make because they realize that they're doing well and others aren't. And sometimes it's almost hard for us to say, well, yes, I'm going to give myself permission to do this or enjoy this. Because if you maybe, I don't know about years ago, maybe 20 years ago as an entrepreneur, because I was kind of in this small world and I just had a couple connections. I didn't know as much what was going on in the world, but knowing what I know today and knowing the economics of the world and just where we fall economically, just from a world perspective, sometimes it can be hard to say, well, gosh, are you really going to only work four days while there's people that are starving or this or that and the other? And you could make a difference. You could make some money, contribute to them. And for me, a lot of it's been about, well, what's the greatest gift I can give to my family uh, and to humanity is for me to be as well-rested as I can, to create the best work that I can. So uh, still, yes, we'll give courses away or different things and do other things that help. But sometimes that permission is hard if it only feels like, well, I'm just doing this for me. And what I'll suggest to you if you're listening to this and you have family, unless they've kicked you out, chances are they like spending time with you on some level. Maybe not always, maybe not for more than a certain amount of time, but giving yourself that chance to be present with that because, again, I've, I really – I have financial decisions I wish I'd have made differently. I certainly have decisions as a parent and, and as a person that I wish – oh, I wish I'd have handled that situation better. Sure, I'm mm -hmm. human. But as far as ever regretting making time for family, going on that trip, doing different things – no, my only regret is, or, or even not even regret, but thought is, why didn't I do that earlier? That mm. was there the whole time. I could have done that before. I could have done these different things. And so I think that's the part where as entrepreneurs uh, or, or people in general, certainly if you're a mother you, or a father, you figured things out that you didn't know you could do. I thought I was going to die in my first month of the, after the lack of sleep. I was like, is this it? I'm like, you know, it's like you're being dramatic, Wade, but of course, when you're over tired, you just, you just, you're that dramatic and you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. And you just see, well, okay, well, what's on the table? What's possible? I think this is just one of those things that it is a possibility. And in my experience, it's possible to give tremendously, to do awesome work for people and to help them and to make good money and to have time to live your life and enjoy life. And by the way, if you're primarily focused on making money, you'll actually meet more people. You'll have more diverse topics to talk about with people. And as one of my friends said, who is uh, a salesman, he says, you know what? By the way, if you ever really want to meet really wealthy people, he says, you go golf as a solo person at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. You know why? Because you know who has the ability to golf solo at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday? A wealthy person. So even even part of it, you you become more interesting. You can talk about more things with people. And then if you, even if you're looking to build your LinkedIn network, you'll probably connect with more people. And so and if that's not doesn't do it, start a podcast. You'll meet a lot of cool people hmm. um, and see what you can do to help. So, yeah, so I think there's just so much to it. But people automatically assume that it must mean you're looking to be lazy when I'm simply saying, no, I'm looking to create a more awesome multi-dimensional life. I'm looking to be better for my family. I'm looking to be better for my children uh, and be a better, well-rounded person, not just a better a one or two-dimensional person. Hmm. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a really great point there, which is, to me, I mean, you know, our philosophy is make marketing human again. It's all about, you know, the, the relationships between people of what 
what drives marketing, what drives business. I mean, this podcast wouldn't happen if we didn't have some sort of relationship um, to get started and have this conversation. And, you know, practicing investing time in the relationships you have with your loved ones, which is generally outside of work, um, is is a good practice because it helps you develop skills, build the muscle, whatever you want to call it, of, of relationship building and relationship nurturing, which is important to in business as well. Like you say, you know, if you want to meet people that, that might help you achieve something, that's it's about relationships. And, and the rich people are probably playing golf or doing something else other than, than spending all their time in work. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, probably the most fun thing about family is you don't get to fire them. I mean, you can technically, and if it's really toxic, of course, that might be a good idea. But for the most part, you have to come back and face that person, especially if they're in your household, who simply disagrees with you. And of course, if they're your children, they almost might even take a little pleasure in disagreeing with you. So you know, all the emotional and social skills that come with that um, certainly lead to something. But again, just in general, it's just about enjoying the process. And again, to be clear, I enjoy, as you do with your work, while I'm in work, I'm very focused. I want to make an impact on people's lives. And I do believe that impact precedes income. And I do believe there's so much you can do there. I simply believe that once I've done that for somewhere between 30 to 35 hours a week, if I'm what sleeping for roughly 50, 60 hours in a 168 hour week, I've still given roughly half my time. No, it's about a third of my time to my work and then eating and whatnot. There's other stuff out mm. there. And you know, we have that opportunity. They had projected years ago what that we'd be working 15 hours a week or five hours a week by now. But of course, we seem to have found a way to make our uh, material demands or desires or gadgets or toys cost more. Uh, but for me, I've I found that the people I work with, once they find that reason, they'll go for, through a shift. They'll shift towards that, and then they might even pull back. They might say, "Okay, wait, I only want every other Friday off." Or I, mm. you know, I, I I got enough time. Like a lot of kids with people with COVID, wait, I I got to see my kids, man. I'm good. I don't need your four day work week stuff. I got plenty <laughs> of my kids. All right, man. Yeah, All yeah. good. I wish um, I'd go to school again. <laughs> oh, cool. Exactly. So, you know, so you know, in some places that happens, but overall. It's kind of like the idea of being able to afford to retire, even if you don't retire. Mm. That's a good place to be. I'll never argue that. But the idea of actually stopping working, at least in the American culture, it's 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 been documented. The average lifespan of a male is two years after retiring in the United yeah. States. Yeah. So it's you know I don't know where it is elsewhere, but it's 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 not necessarily a good thing. And if you look at nature, you know birds don't say, well, you know, I'm I'm done flapping, man. I'm just not going to flap anymore. Good, you know. So I'm not even sure how natural retirement is. And if you look at the United States, we did it simply to get people out of the workforce to make room for people coming back from yeah. the war so they'd have jobs. So it wasn't grounded in some you know, holistic, eternal truth. It was mm. simply a very practical decision. Yeah. I, I, I certainly, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody recently on a podcast about, um, you know, that, that when people stop working, if that's been their whole life, that their life expectancy after that is is usually rather short unless they you know unless they find something they're really passionate about and can put the energy in so i guess that's you know turning that around because you mentioned um well there's a couple of things i want to dig into you mentioned impact precedes income so this mindset of it's not the time i spend on the business but it's the impact i have uh, which is going to be the major contribution the second part of it 
is the enjoyment aspect. So if you're, you know, seven days a week, uh, all your waking time and, you know, under pressure all the time, it's probably not less enjoyable than if you spend less time and take the time off. So, but I know the thing I'd like to explore some more is is this idea of what else is there. Um, for example, you talked about the retirement and the idea that you know, often um, people only have a couple of years lifespan after they retire because they've been so work has been such a big part of their life, and all of a sudden that's gone. So, how do we in that example or in the example of okay i'm only going to work three days or four days a week um how do we um, turn that around so that we don't get into this oh i'm not i'm retired now so what do i do it's actually kind of difficult though the first while it's a little weird in the sense that okay what do i do this time and so at first it's kind of like if you get a let's say a three or four week vacation you've never had one the first two or three days are awesome. The first week is awesome. Second week, third week, you're like, oh, I kind of missed that work thing. Or you, you're just kind of lost. Hmm. And for me, it is about definitely exploring what's outside work. So to your point, yes, if people, and I don't know the research on this, but I would imagine if people say, yeah, I've stopped working for money, but I'm going over here and I'm volunteering. I think of Jimmy Carter in the United States with his hammer, what, 90 something, still doing, helping build houses for Habitat for Humanity and just being in, engaged. What I found is it gets me more involved in some of the other things, uh, playing my drums, perhaps volunteering, perhaps the most interesting one, which actually can be painful and weird, is getting fully present with the people in your life and actually fully hearing them out, letting them finish when they have a conversation, letting them go through, uh, you know, if you have, every one of us has at least one friend probably that just talks a lot <laughs> and just say like, okay, you know, wonder what's going to happen here. Let me see if I can take it as a challenge. Let me see if I can listen to this person to death and not to death, but of course, just like listen to them until they're done and, and hear what they have to say. And so from that perspective, what I mentioned is the painful part is because it's going to force you. If you really are attuned and aware, you'll start hearing things you didn't hear that people have been saying the whole time that you missed. If you get because you start getting a little more in tune when there's more space and there's less pressure and you start hearing what they're asking for, you don't have an excuse. Oh, my gosh, well, I can't do that because I've got to go do this. It's like, oh, wow, I, I, I do have time to do that. You might or might not have the money to do something. But I have the time to do that. Oh, yeah, I can help you, you know, cut your grass or, you know, so, you know, just something I didn't really want to do. I can volunteer and do something. So there's this sense of especially like a lot of entrepreneurs were very productivity focused. You know, some of my friends have said, wait, I found if I take that day off, I just end up either doing chores around the house, helping or hanging out with my kids more than I want to. I said, okay. I said, well, then what else is there? Is there volunteering? Is there, is there even start a new venture? But perhaps, and this is where I'll, I'll throw in a little bit of editorial. If you understand some of the finances of the world, if you, uh, there's what Hans Rosling's book called Factfulness talked about the idea that six out of seven people on the planet live on less than $32 a day. And I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. Hey, I'm happy. I'm blessed. I was born in a part of the world where that's not my reality. And yet I know plenty of people who have way more money than I do that are not happy. And I know there's people who make less that are happy. But overall, if you understand that, and I've sometimes told my kids, that I say, look, I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty. Why I tell it to you is because I know there are people who are happy in all parts of the world. There's been surveys done. And so what it proves is 
the money is not the variable. Obviously, it's nice to have money. It's nice to have the options and the choices that come with it. But if you start realizing that, then you start realizing, well, okay, I was worried. Well, what if I took this fifth day off? And, you know, and, you know, I, instead of working it, I took it off. What am I missing out on? What's that opportunity cost? What else could I have bought? And the answer is usually some sort of thing uh, or some sort of fancier time off. But at the end of the day, some of the most basic things, taking a walk through nature, being present with people, uh, my gosh, you know, spending time with the elderly, some of the people that have paved the whole world for us, where I don't know about other parts of the world in the United States, we have a tendency to kind of minimize their value. Oh, well, they're old and, and that sort of stuff, as opposed to realize you know, what they've done and, and what they've put in front of us. Uh, so there's, it, it definitely leads to discomfort. It can be easier to just kind of jump back in, but it, it's kind of a, a micro analogy or similar to the person on a smaller level who is perhaps working because they have pain in their life and they just don't want to face it. So they just keep working and working and working and working. And that's their distraction. I'd say drug because that, that's a borderline thing. But like any other addiction where sometimes people are like, look, I've experienced a lot of pain. I don't want to feel it. So whether it's sports or betting or gambling or sex or drugs or whatever, uh, or overworking, I don't want to feel it. And again, that's, I don't, I don't in any way criticize those people. I, I say, gosh, I hope you find something that's more fulfilling than kind of trying to distract yourself from life, you know, and being able to be present. So for me, there's so much that comes in it. It is, uh, there's this idea that I've heard about from different people saying that your best spiritual teachers are the people closest to you that really annoy you the most. <laughs> and, you know, so this, you know, my wife and I would joke, oh, no, you're my spiritual teacher. Oh, no, 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 you're the master. You're my spiritual teacher. <laughs> and so when you look at it, it's just, it's more of life. And so if, if you don't want that, or, or if you try it, you might find it at times it's a little interesting. But, um, but again, you know, as entrepreneurs, as we know, and we, we, we hold to, you know, there's not always the greatest lesson in success. Sometimes the better lesson comes from the failures or the, uh, discomfort or the things we're uncomfortable with. Mm. Yeah, it's it's um fascinating topic. I think the you know the key point is there's a choice that we have. We have the choice, and I guess you know one one question I have: How do we um, for those that are not entrepreneurs in charge of their own business, for those that are working in a job, they have a boss, they have an organisation around how, how do they um, bring this idea in into their life um, the but there is there are choices right yeah well at the end of the day there are variables to work with and you know near to you all in new zealand andrew barnes and his company the mm. perpetual guardian did it more from a company you know a very enlightened place of saying it's the company how can we offer this and more people are, are doing that and they have a whole movement around that, the four-day week global movement, which is awesome. And then as somebody who's worked more with individuals than with, with groups, I said, look, as an individual, in any negotiation for a job, you would say, here's what I'm, you know, here's what I believe I contribute, and let's see what I'm worth. And if you don't understand the business model you work for, it puts you at a, a bit of a disadvantage. But as we're seeing right now, there's a couple variables. Number one, in the world, people are being offered more and more options to work from home. So work from home is not the same opportunity as a four-day work week or a three-day weekend, but it's a greater quality of life for some people 
So it's another variable that's now been added to the negotiation mm. equation that wasn't there before. And similarly, uh, three-day weekends is an option. Now, something that some people are missing is there are a lot of companies right now that have worked really hard. They've trained great employees and employee training costs are high. And they would love it if their employees came to them and said, hey, would you mind if I worked, you know, let's say four days, so I worked 20% less. And on my hourly income, because this is an adult agreement, pay me 20% less. So in other words, pay me the same hourly income, if mm -hmm. you will, but show me where what results I would need to achieve to be worth my full income. And I'll work on those results. So that's a more adult conversation mm -hmm. as an employer. I love to hear, hear somebody talking to me about results. Or as one of my friends said, Wade, you know what? If you tell me they're going to get five days of results in four days, would I give them the four-day work week? Maybe, but I'm still taking the risk. But if you tell me, Wade, they're starting to get to oversimplify things. Wait, if they're getting six days worth of results in four days, I'll gladly pay them for five because now they're gaining, I'm gaining. So somewhere in there, the decision, if it can be made in a way that is aware of what is the greatest result that the company needs, and they might not tell you what it's worth to them economically. Many of them won't disclose that, hmm. but you can do some research and you can usually find out. But if you say, bottom line, What's, what do you need from me in a week? I need you to achieve 40 things. Okay. If I achieve those 40 things, you know, and you can almost reverse the conversation. If I hit 40 hours and I've only achieved 20 of those things, would that be bad? Yeah, that'd yeah. be bad. Okay. If I hit 60 of those things, would that be good? Oh, that'd be really good. Well, what if I hit 40 of those things or 45 of those things? Now we're at a gain or 44. That's a 10% gain. How important is it how many hours I work? And if you're in a super large corporation, you might run into more challenges because then they do have to consider everybody else yeah, and yeah, they did it right. for you that, mm -hmm. but there's usually some smaller version of a competitor or you might say hey can i be the pilot project can i be mm -hmm. because the negotiation point simply put is employee turnover costs every month i have to train a new employee that has not been in my business it's costing me their salary plus at least another 50 percent sometimes double their salary between costs benefits and then other employees training them so Employee turnover, you ha might have a lot more power than you realize. Uh, and so, again, it's just another variable to, to negotiate with. So if they say, well, we can't pay you as competitively as the marketplace. So, hey, what about this? What if I got, tell me what the results are. Hmm. If I work from home, and sometimes even working from home can be a bridge to say, because work from home is still kind of like, okay, we trust you. And great, get the results. And then you can eventually move towards things. But it's far more flexible. It's never been more widely accepted that at least work from home is a possibility on the table. And I think a four-day work week is coming pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And, and particularly, you know, you touched on the working from home that, you know, that's become a lot more accepted as, as an option for the future, not just an option dictated by the pandemic and the need, need to work from home. Um, and, Thinking back to my days when I was traveling around Asia in the corporate world, you know, I, I was staggered by the number of people who spent two or three hours twice a day on their daily commute. So imagine, you know, there's six hours that suddenly are available. And if you took two hours of that and added that to your workday, now you've just filled eight hours in four days and the other four hours you have available to do whatever it is you want to do spend more time with family friends go and play beach volleyball whatever um, and and you have 
one day off and they've still worked the same hours if you're just measuring time. Um, but, yeah, to turn it around the way you explained it there in terms of productivity and what do I need to achieve, I think that's a, a really good conversation. Now, obviously, some some work might not be suited to that. Um, production line work, maybe. Although, you know, I know that... Um, Several years ago, there were there were there was this idea here in Australia, in particular, of a rostered day off every fortnight, um, which might be a way to look at this again. And so, the rostered day off meant that every employee had a particular day; it was a roster, so the business knew you know, who was there all the time. That it wasn't sort of haphazard. So, there are ways to introduce it into big companies as well absolutely you just got to make sure that people understand the results still need to happen mm. and just a quick comment on your point of the traveling quite a few of my friends who have to travel a lot said things really shifted when their company realized that they could do one webinar presentation oh no wait they could do three or four in a day mm. from their office as opposed to traveling to four of them yeah. which would take four days so it actually turns out even being better for the company because some companies will take the approach and say, well, hey, you don't cost us that much. You might get us a huge sale. We'll ship you around the country. But when you start realizing it's actually inefficient, and again, now that it's become accepted and a best practice to say, well, if we can't at least get from point A to point B via Zoom or some sort of you know, Skype conversation, why are we flying out there? That's just, it, it almost looks too desperate. So it's mm -hmm. funny how things shift. Uh, once people start shifting what's you know what's commonplace what's the best practice hmm. great well this is fabulous wade i mean we've gone on for quite some time now and um, we've been talking about time and being more productive with time so i think it's a good time now to move on to the buzz which is our innovation round it's our lightning round where i ask the same five questions of all of our guests and the idea is that you'll share some tips from your experience and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today are you ready? Ready. What's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? For me, it's been to create time for thoughts. So whether that's bike riding in nature, whether that's meditation, yoga, three-day weekend, prayer, asking for guidance from the divine, whatever it is that works, but it's, it's space, uh, room for the brain to come up with more stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I've... I've I really relate to that. I mean, I've, you know, we've been talking about taking time off to do other things outside of work that we really enjoy doing. And to me, that's, that's the time when I have my best ideas. You know, I've always got a notepad with me so I can kind of keep recording those things. But yeah, it's the space that the mind's kind of not stuck in doing, 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 but it's available to bubble up ideas from the unconscious. Absolutely. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? For me, there's a book that came to me as a writer. I I believe there's some sort of greater force involved in it, um, but I'd gotten I, there's a coaching program I'd done by a lady named Debbie Ford called Integrative Coaching, and a lot of it had to do with just getting quiet and asking for guidance from the divine. And for me, uh, that's where my best ideas come from. So I 
you know, as I tell people, I'm not here to sell it. I can't prove the divine exists. In my psychology degree, we would say it is efficacy. It's effective for me to believe that there's a divine. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> uh, but so that process of getting quiet, asking for inspiration, uh, and, and listening and sitting, that is for me by far, uh, because the quality of ideas that come from that for me are always of a more true to who I am as opposed to uh, this email that came in or that email came in or even something brilliant that somebody else might be doing that might just not really be for me. So when it comes from inside or bubbles up from inside or whatever that process is, uh, it seems to be aligned with with who I am and where I'm looking to go. Hmm. Yeah, that's you know, really a couple of really important points there, I think. And it comes back in some ways to creating space and time to allow that to happen, but also that, you know, something that's inside you and is is in alignment with your whole value systems. Yeah. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? So again I could I could say God, but then we we just had that conversation. So I'll come up with something something different. <laughs> For me, the the favorite resource I've found is is actually becoming my network. And this is where as I've started a podcast and gotten to know more people, I had before been told of that idea that, hey, when you have a network, uh, it's a good thing. But I had always been told it from the standpoint of, you know, your network is your net worth. And, well, you can connect with more people who can hook you up and do favors for you. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I, that's awesome. But it's when I started realizing the idea. There's a book uh, Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, has. It's called Who, Not How. And it just came mm -hmm. out maybe within the last year. And he talks about the idea of when we procrastinate, as entrepreneurs specifically, that we procrastinate because we've got an idea that's really great, but we know we can't do it ourselves. And we procrastinate because we believe we have to learn how to do it. So I might say, I want to start a new software business. Well, I don't know how to code software. And his point is, it's not how, it's who. Who do you need to partner with? Who do you need to connect with? Who could point you in the right direction? And so for me, the network in a positive way is, and then of course, how can I support them as well? Not just a, a, mm. a, a taking thing. But very much that, and even definitely coming to your um, networking uh, connection events, uh, and then networking is not even, again, doesn't do it enough justice, but your connection events of connecting with people and hearing what they're about has cultivated that more. So I really, maybe I'm naive, I really do feel like I have allies in a good way, creative allies around the world who will help me. Uh, not in a way that's going to hurt them, not in some really weird way, like they're going to, you know, they don't need to take a bullet from me. I don't, I don't need that. I, I don't think I'm going to get shot at anytime soon, God willing. Uh, but just at least that sense of if I need to figure something out, it's not even lazy. It's just wise. Oh, I already know this person who's in that field. Why am I going to even, if I, I mean, if I need to study it, I'll eventually read a book on it. I'm willing to read a book, but why would I read the book first? Why would I even Google it first? I'll just send in, you know, a text or, or a note to, to so-and-so. And so that's been a huge tool for me. Mm, yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? And uh, I think the the idea of you know, going away from this network is a – I mean, I think you know, the, the network is your net worth philosophy is, is right, but to kind of make it a transactional thing, I think, devalues it. So it is about relationships and also it's, you know, it, you're probably the third person now that's mentioned that Dan Sullivan book, Who Not How, to me. I like the title. I'm going to have to go have a look at it and read that. The concept of 
you know, I want to do this thing. I've got this fabulous idea. Um, I don't know how to do it, so I'll learn how to do it. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with learning how to do it if you're really inspired and motivated to find out how that works. At the same time, I think, you know, you can accelerate that learning hugely by connecting with somebody that's already done it, already knows how to do that and say, you know, can you help me learn this or can you help me do this or can you help me learn this? So, you know, you still have that choice. Yeah, I think it depends on your objective. Like I, when I play sports and I watch my son do this, I got him some videos from Steph Curry, one of the best basketball players mm. in the world on shooting and helped my shot. Great stuff. But then sometimes he'd say, dad, I just, I just want to play with the ball and kind of like he's enjoying that process. And so, yeah, he's inspired to play with the ball and it's that hobby like thing. On the other hand, he also knows that if he really wants to by next week have the best shot, he knows the formula. So again, that's from a who, a mm. who taught him that. So I think knowing that you can access both of those is, is pretty empowering. Mm. Right. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Find out what's most important to them relationship-wise and time-wise. Because to me, the simplest reason I know, I used to say this is for entrepreneurs, but this is anybody. You know, we have this thing I ask people, you know, what's your X, your Y, and your Z? You want to make X number of money and X number of time uh, doing X, Y, excuse me, X number of money and Y number of time doing Z work. And so I say, okay, that's, that's what you want to do in work. But it's for your A, your B, and your C. It's what are you doing outside? Who are you doing it with? And how much time you get to do that. So it's really the A, B, and C, that part. So once you find out how people like to spend their time, who they like to spend it with, and how much they like of that, if you're getting that time and you have a roof over your head and you're able to pretty much afford your bills and do what you want, I found most people are happy. And there's a study that was done. I don't know if it's done in the US, but it was done in reference to United States dollars where they said that there was diminishing returns once income reached 70,000 US dollars a year. And it was done a few years back, so maybe even it's 80 today or whatever. But in other words, once you hit that number, it's like, okay, you're just getting a nicer car. You're getting a bigger house, but you have a car, you have a house, you have access to these things. So for me, I think just knowing what really, not even, it's not what drives them, what, what's precious to them, what's, you know, the whole, you know, if you had, you know, two days to live, how would you invest your time? Well, yeah, to me, well, I'd like to do that more. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And uh, if you know what drives people, what motivates them, you know how to kind of remind them of what's important so that they stay on track. Yeah. But it's funny, you, you reminded me, I, um, my wife and I went out for a day trip on, um, on the weekend and we were sitting in a, a restaurant in this little beach resort town and it was a nice sunny day and there was one... Every sort of second or third car that went past outside was um, a very expensive Porsche or a very expensive, um, what else did I have? I don't want to just plug Porsche, although they're from my hometown. My, uh, so I, I will plug them. But yeah, lots of expensive cars, fast cars um, with you know open top, folded back roofs. And you look at that and say, wow, there's a nice car. And, and um, my wife kind of started pointing them out to me as well. And I said, well, you know what? Um, that last one that just went past, probably if we sold our house and got a really good price for it, we probably would still have to put 
extra money on the table to buy it. And I said, and for what? <laughs> I said, the speed limit here everywhere is 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> if, um, you know, if you want to really drive that car fast, you've either got to go find a racetrack somewhere, which is not as fun as driving along the coast or the Great Ocean Road here where we were, um, or you take risks and um, you know, break the law. And I said, so I think I'll stick with keeping our house and driving, <laughs> driving our old Subaru. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? It's cliche in a way, so I'll say it and then I'll expound on it. It's, it's to be yourself, but to be yourself in the way that is free. So the rebel can't be themselves because they have to rebel. Hmm. So if the rebel is rebelling against their parents and they happen to agree with their parents, they're kind of in a tough spot because yeah. they don't want to agree with their parents. They're a rebel. So the rebel entrepreneur has a hard time because they're trying to prove something. The person that's trying to show that their parents or this person said, I couldn't do this. So while I understand that for some people, that's an energy that motivates them. I don't think it's, I don't, and, and it, it drives them. I don't want to be driven. I want to be driving. I want to have my hands on the wheel, but being who you are doing what you're here to do, which shoot, I'm 49 and that's still, I'm still learning and, and finding out. And a lot of it is not what happens at work. People say, you know, what would you do if you had a hundred million dollars in the bank? Well, that's your, you know, that's your, your life work. Like, no, no, that's your ideal lifestyle. <laughs> I wouldn't do a lot of work. If I had a hundred million in the bank, I might, might chill and relax. But what would you do even if you don't? Oh, I'd get up in the night to feed the kid. I would do those sort of things. So being authentic, being yourself and being comfortable with the journey because it's not a destination and not again, not in some metaphorical way, but if you truly reach the destination, then I guess you just drop over your dead. I mean, I don't know what happens because, <laughs> because it's just, okay, great. That's the end of the movie. We're done. So for me, being comfortable with that, whether it means at times being excited about something, being uncertain about something, uh, sitting in the nonsense that's going on that you wish wasn't going on. Uh, but it's still to me, it's all about being authentic and being yourself because then when they do like you, when the person wants to be in love with you, when the person wants to do business with you, they want to be friends with you, they want to do business with you, it's you. Hmm. You've made it. They're like, dude, this is me. I don't have yeah. to, I don't yeah. have to try. This is, this is it. Yeah, you don't have to. Keep and of course, the, you might have to, you don't have to keep, you might the have to figure going, out, right? <laughs> absolutely. And you might have to figure out how to monetize them and say, wait, I'm just going to be me and make no, no, I, I, I haven't figured that out myself. But aligning the work and, and what you do with who you are. And it goes back to something my father's told me. He said, look, have you ever felt, bad for doing the right thing and so no i've you know it's been uncomfortable at times it sometimes costs me money it's but i've never felt wrong for doing it and i think for the most part as long as it's done in a way that's not harming others or or not disrespectful to others uh being yourself is up there and again if you're truly being yourself you're not going to be looking to uh show somebody up or be disrespectful to somebody or harm somebody you're you know going to be just being you so yeah hmm. it's great cool Thanks for that advice. I, I think you know you, your explanation there was really valuable, and and I always say that um, you know if you're trying to be somebody else, you know there's one thing about modelling somebody that that is doing something that you want to achieve as well, or achieving something that you want to achieve as well. So modelling is a good 
learning experience, and you talk quite a bit about learning there, but um, I think there's a big risk with that that people say, okay, I need to be like that. Um, and and then there's an act you're putting on this act, and at some point that's draining. <laughs> you don't have the energy to keep the act up, and all of a sudden people say, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, definitely best practices, learning processes. I think you can learn processes, but ultimately the content, like a podcast, we can learn all the best practices, mm. best equipment, but the content, the actual messaging in your courses, in your books, if it's not coming from you, I, I just don't see that it's going to be as powerful. Mm. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Wade. Um, now, where can people find out more about you, the three-day weekend club, the work you do, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you shared with us today? Awesome. So... Uh, if people want to learn more about all the books I've written, which some of them are around three-day uh, weekends, some of other stuff, they can just go to wadegalt.com, W-A-D-E-G-A-L-T.com, uh, to learn more about creating a three-day weekend lifestyle, whether you're an employee, entrepreneur, freelancer, side hustler, wherever you are, you can go to threedayweekendclub.com, and there's a free part of the membership there where we share some of the content that helps you get going with that. And then if you want to go deeper, there's some courses around that. There, you know, there's investment for those. But basically, we'll share with you um, where you can do that. And then, of course, you can always just listen to the three-day weekend entrepreneur podcast, which is not just for entrepreneurs. But I had to find some keywords that at least <laughs> made it stick. It's still it's still focused on entrepreneurs, but it, it's for everybody as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of good stuff there. And you you recently you mentioned Andrew Barnes from the four-day work week movement, and you recently had a conversation with him on that podcast, right? With Charlotte, actually, though, though oh, she Charlotte. works with him. I'm, I'm hoping to have one with him as well. Uh, but he's, I know, busy with a lot of different things. So we first, I said, okay, sure, will you please give me the, the and she knows so much of uh, the details of what's going mm -hmm. on. So I'm actually hoping to maybe get with him sometime to get an update what's going on. But yeah, they're very, they're doing awesome work. They really have um, figured out how to evoke a movement from it. And they're coming from a place of their uh, their cup is full. They don't need the extra money from it, as far as I can tell. I mean, he, the, the company they did the experiment with, it's, he owns the company or is a co-owner of the company, and it's 16 locations, and it's financial services, and they truly want to help other people get this, and so they're doing the work. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, fabulous. Now, finally, who else should I get on this podcast and, and why? Okay. So... I'll, I, you might have already had him. I'm not sure. I've not looked at all your episodes. I would say Alex Sanfilippo, uh, the founder of Podmatch. Uh, I'm really impressed. I've only met him. Okay, it's been about a year now ago I met him when uh, Podfest was coming up. And he was had just launched Podmatch, which is a matching service for podcast guests. And that in and of itself is not remarkable. There's a lot of other companies like that. But who he is and how he approaches things uh, the character of who he is, what he does, and he truly is humble, coachable, learnable, um, and willing to execute. He's just he's what he's done with with, with Podmatch. He and his team and his wife helps as well, Alicia. But what he's done in a short period of time is is pretty spectacular. So having seen what he's done in a year, I'm really excited to see where he goes. And he's just an awesome human being. Okay, well, we'll reach out to Alex, and we haven't had him on the show yet, so we'll reach out to him. I do use Podmatch from time to time, um, so we'll reach out to him and uh, bring him on the show as well. Um, awesome. So do you have some parting advice for our listener today? 
Life is simple. Don't complicate it. If you're not having fun, fix something. You know, if I, I just tell people, look, if I'm going to screw up, I'm going to screw up differently next time. I'm not going to screw up the same way over and over. And on the flip side, I guess it's traditional. And maybe this is a little sexist, but male advice. When stuff's working, we just stick with it. You know, mm. So if, find out what you like. If you like playing volleyball, if you like painting, yeah. make sure you have time to do that on a regular basis. Give yourself that gift uh, and know that when you're not doing that, it's not just you that's missing out. You do have a gift, whether you, to whatever degree you love yourself or not, there are people who love being around you. And if you're not getting time with them, not only are you missing out, but they're missing out. And if you're not sure, ask them hmm. and you'll find it. So, you know, if you're not sure, hey, what am I missing? What are, what are you all missing out on? If I'm working too, hey, am I working too much? And if I am, what are we all missing out on? That again, it, it's, it's an interesting question. It might take you down a bit of a rabbit hole or ex open up more than you want to hear, but, um, yeah, just, just have fun. Yeah, great advice. And uh, I think, you know, if, if you're not having fun, change something. Find out what you need to change. I think I love that. Okay, um, so thanks so much for sharing your insights and your wisdom and the philosophy behind the three-day weekend uh, movement with us so generously today, Wade. I've really enjoyed this, had fun digging deeper into the whole mindset of um, what's behind the three-day and what, what we need to think about in our own minds to give us permission to do that and also some of the um, ideas behind how we might go about it. So thanks so much, um, all of us for the future, and let's stay in touch while you're not playing volleyball Absolutely. on the beach in particular. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jürgen. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Wade. I hope you enjoyed that wonderfully engaging and really insightful conversation with Wade and took something away from his episode. I love the quote, impact precedes income, and I really like Wade's idea of keeping things simple for focusing on the most important things we value. They were highlights for me. He's absolutely right in terms of keeping things simple. We do have a tendency to make things a lot more complicated than they are. I'd love to know what you took away from Wade's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Wade Galt. That is W-A-D-E-G-A-L-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Wade Galt. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Wade, as well as links to his website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with at least two other people that it might help. We really want to get this fabulous information that I'm privileged to listen to, you're privileged to listen to. We want to get that in as many hands or ears as we can because we're doing them a favor. Tag me in on those shares and I will reach out to you with a special surprise. Wade suggested we have a conversation with Alex Sanfilippo, founder of Podmatch on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Alex, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Wade Galt. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast. We have yet more fantastic guests lined up, including the lead boss, Kat Stanchik, and Arliss Dudley Cash 
from Solutions by Arliss. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.